it's okay to mess up. It's okay to take, you know, 10, 15, 20 attempts at something before it gets there. What makes someone an artist? And is art exclusively human? Despite coming from a tech background, Mike Hendley, creator of the Drawing Inspiration podcast, realized later in life that he had always been an artist. So he took the plunge. Join us today as we take a deep dive into Mike's creative journey and discuss how Mike stays creative, failure as an opportunity to try new things, learning alone versus from others, how teaching makes you a better artist, and Mike's upcoming drawing course with Etcher. But before we start, let's talk about that. So Mike is doing a course with us on how to draw animals with graphite. You will learn how to capture animals' unique characteristics and personalities in your drawings by practicing various techniques for creating texture, form, and dimension with graphite. Mike will also cover topics such as anatomy, proportion, shading, as well as ways to capture the unique features of different species. This course is launching around early October. If you register now, we have a discounted early bird price going on, so please go ahead, learn more about this course at etcherlab.com forward slash Hindley dash course. Alright, that's, that's it for the shout out, I promise. So let's dive right into the interview. Okay, Mike, for the listeners who haven't yet had the pleasure of meeting you or listen to your podcast, yes, Mike has a wonderful podcast that I will link in the show notes. Can you give us uh, a brief summary of who you are and where you came from so we get to know you a bit better? A brief summary. <laughs> yeah, it's like challenge number one, try to make it a brief summary. Seriously, just tell us, tell us everything. It, it can go on. So I, I came to art late in life. Um, I want to talk about kind of the origin story, but I didn't really start art until I was 40. And it, it started, and I won't go into too much detail, but I just kind of stumbled upon it in some ways. And I... I really, I, I did want to be an artist when I was five years old. I have a book where I wrote down that I wanted to be an artist. And I've, I've spent my last few years uh, kind of um, reacquainting myself with that child. And so I, I feel like I've fulfilled something in, in me, uh, getting back to that five-year-old who wanted to be an artist. And so I started drawing when I was 40. And I, I took a, uh, a one workshop uh, with a graphite artist, a three-day workshop, uh, Mike Sibley, who's a wonderful UK artist. And that really catapulted me. Uh, I took his uh, workshop in the fall, uh, late summer, and then the following year, in uh, I guess 2019, I started the podcast. And the reason I started the podcast was... There was a few contributing factors to that. I used to have a radio show that was across Canada like 20 years ago. And I, I work in tech, so the computer sh or the show was about computers. It was called The Computer Zone. And so we talked about computers and the internet. The internet was all new and all this kind of stuff. So I, I had a show. I had a column in a, in a um, newspaper. And so I really enjoyed that conversation on air. And... It only ran for maybe two years. And so I always had this thought in the back of my mind. I was a big podcast listener and I had this thought in my, the back of my mind. It's like, I really want to do a podcast about something, but I couldn't figure out what I can contribute, right? Like I used to listen to all these tech podcasts and it's like, I can't do tech because everyone else is doing it. And I'm just, and then I thought, well, and I was just getting into art and I thought, you know what? I, I'm just going to come at it not as a professional artist, but as someone who's going through a journey mm -hmm. and I, I wanted to share my journey having come to it late in life, but I also wanted to reach out and talk to artists. And I felt if I had a platform like the podcast and I reached out to an artist and say, Hey, I've got a podcast. I am media. Brilliant. Come talk to me. That would be an opportunity for me to connect with these people that I follow, that I was following on Instagram. And 
it worked. I was able to reach out to some of my idols and people I I didn't even know. Uh, I stumbled upon through other guests, through the podcast, through other connections, through Instagram, and it just kind of started building. And it it has so much momentum now that I really can't stop it. And I'm, you know, it's a hundred episodes. It's going to be significant for me, but it's more that it's been four years of this every two weeks, almost every two weeks, um, recording a new episode. And so it keeps me, it keeps me moving because I always have to think about who's next. And the, the other thing that drives me with this too is, and people may not see this, but it's, it's a pressure I have is I'm trying to build up my creative abilities, right? So I'm trying new materials and uh, looking at different subjects. And, you know, so I've explored watercolor and acrylic and all of this other stuff because of the podcast, urban sketching because of the podcast. And so uh, it's, it's forced me to kind of get into these other areas and try it out and see. And I found some real uh, enthusiasm about these mediums now so that I just, it's not just pencil anymore. I mean, I love pencil. I draw every week, but uh, now I'm doing watercolor and ink and everything else. And so it's kind of forced me to do that. But in between podcasts, I look at my Instagram feed and I post a, uh, a, the show art for the podcast. Right. And then two weeks later, I post the show art for the next podcast and I look at it. And sometimes I think, wait a second, I haven't posted anything to Instagram since the last podcast. And it's immediately this kind of like, Wall I just can't have one podcast art and then one podcast art. I've got to show that I'm doing stuff. And so it kind of keeps me honest, like I've got to draw and paint something and I've got to post it so that oh, I've got, God. you know, two or three pieces between each podcast. So it does. And, and then the other thing as part of the podcast is I always spend the first 10 minutes or so talking about what I've been doing. And it it kind of just keeps me moving. I feel like you know, I need to share both positive and negative what this journey is like. And I think that Instagram provides us a nice polished output. Mm -hmm. And there are some artists who who go to the effort of showing like, this is a failure, or this is how it started. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of jokes around and memes around uh, Instagram, where it's like, you know, here's the here's the side angle view of me painting and, and that's the Instagram view. And <laughs> exactly. And then the background is I'm dropping my brush and I'm still exactly <laughs> places a mess. I'm wearing shorts like it's, it's a complete mess, right. And so I think by just by talking about it, it gives us the, uh, the liberty to, to kind of or the validation to know that it's it's okay to mess up. It's okay to take, you know, 10, 15, 20 attempts at something before it gets there. So I, I know that the podcast for me is is core to who I am now. I used to have it separate. I used to think the podcast is one thing and my art is the other. But creatively, I'm, I'm everything now. So like, it, it's all part of me. Mm -hmm. the, the podcast is my conversation with everyone about where I am in life it, creatively. And I don't see an end coming. And some of the, like I interviewed 77 people or something, but obviously there's a number of podcasts where it's just me, where I'm just talking about, you know, I did a retreat by myself last year for a week. And so I still haven't talked about that because I'm going to do one this year and I'm going to kind of talk about planning for this one and what I learned from the last one. But some of, some of the conversations are things like that, where it's like, this is something I'm, I'm talking about. This is something that I've experienced. And uh, it's so wonderful when I hear from listeners about you know, I was inspired to do this because of the podcast or, um, you know, thank you for inspiring me to do this. And I get so many messages, especially from people who are trying it for the first time later in life or feel like, you know, they've been an accomplished artist and they're trying to try, you know, something else, watercolor, yeah. pencil, a lot of oil painters don't work in graphite. And I've had mm -hmm. a couple of people say, I'm so glad I came back to pencil. Um, so it's, it's wonderful to hear that kind of uh, feedback and conversation. So I feel like it's it's building me up. It it fills my creative bucket, but mm -hmm. it, I feel like there's a community now around it, and I'm I'm just so thankful that I have this opportunity to to do this and to share these stories. Yeah, which is tr completely true. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, getting to know you 
be, I mean, and, and full disclosure here, so I met you because of Vetcher Studio, so you were part of the community. And then I remember Kathleen, one of our producers, talking to me on how she was, you know, discussing with you a class and that you had a podcast. And I'm like, wait, 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 how come I don't know what's going on? I need to look into this. And I'm, I'm glad that we ended up connecting and you're teaching with us and more about that later. So I have, I have a few follow-up questions about what you said. Uh, and again, full disclosure, I listened to all the interviews you had before that people made of you, not all of your own podcast interviews. I'm not that insane, just a tiny bit. Um, and I'm, and I have questions from those interviews that I want to ask you. So one, okay, let's, let's open the first can of worms. You were talking about how it's okay to fail when you're trying something new. I, yeah, I think I discussed that a lot in the past too. I, would you say it's okay to fail and not only that, but it, people need to fail to get there. Because when you compare it to other forms of art, you don't put on a theater show before doing the, the rehearsals. And the rehearsals are where you fail. So then you're finally ready to show it to the public. So would you consider that the failures that you do in visual arts, in drawing, in painting, would be the similar as the rehearsals for going into finishing up a play? Or how would you compare the two? I think that's that's an appropriate analogy. I think I think that we have to embrace, and I'm not going to say failure, but um, I, I think we have to embrace the, the opportunity to try. And mm -hmm. I think we learn more from not getting to where we think we should be. And I think that's another conversation is is being realistic about where we think we should be. I think. It's nice to think that you should ideally be a better artist today than you were yesterday, but sometimes it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had times recently where I haven't drawn or painted for a week and I get back to it and it's like, oh, no, I've lost it. And it just takes a drawing or two and then it's like, okay, never mind. It's back. So I think we learn more from not achieving the level that we expect from us if we're realistic about it. Mm -hmm. And like it took me five or six attempts to do watercolor. The first time I tried it, it's like, stop going where I don't want you to go. Like, <laughs> I want you to stay over here. And why are you touching this color? And I was so frustrated with it because I was expecting it to be like acrylic. I was mm -hmm. remembering being a kid. And when I put red on white, I didn't expect orange. I wanted the red to cover the white. And so I had this childlike, because I didn't really do any research into watercolor when I started. And I've watched, then I started watching a bunch of YouTube tutorials and it's like, what? There is no white watercolor paint? Oh, there's gouache. Okay. And I didn't find that out till later. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that, you know, you may do a piece and, and you love it and that's fantastic. But I think when you have those opportunities of not achieving the level that you expect yourself to be at, it provides you that scale, that contrast. Mm -hmm. Things aren't good because they're good always. Sometimes they're good because they're better than the other thing. And so we have to make sure that we build a library of the other things, of these tests and these attempts, such that when we do the good thing, we've got that separation. And it's like, wow, this is so much better than I did yesterday. And for each right. of us, that scale is different. And where we get to the low point and where we get to the high point is individual for us. So when you look at an artist and you think, that's fantastic, but for them it may not be. Like they may be on a different scale than we are and a different point in their journey. Mm -hmm. So I absolutely will take out a sketchbook and just throw some stuff down and try and draw a human being or draw, try and draw this and that. And I won't share it. But for me, it's like, okay, great, I did an awful drawing. Now, no matter what I do next, it's going to feel better than that piece. And so I think being able to seed those, um, just that opportunity to play around means that you've got that scale now. And so I think it's important to think about it as a scale. Don't try and operate at the top level all the time, but ensure that you've got a scale that's appropriate for where you are in your journey. And when you said it took you five attempts to, to start to understand watercolor, what do you consider mm -hmm. an attempt? Want a painting? 
Okay. Yeah, I, I've never been. So this is the way I do it. And I'm going to probably talk about a few things about it in the way that this is what I do, which isn't necessarily the right way. And it's it's not wrong. It's just the way I do it. So I, I, exactly. I've never swatched watercolor. Like people do swatches and they play oh, with yeah. the mixes. I've never done that. I, I'm sorry, but I've just never done that. I would really like to. But for me, I, I, I look at it and I think, I think I would just rather play with these pinks Figure and purples out. doing an echinacea flower, <laughs> like a purple cone flower, instead of doing the swatches. And that's just the way that I work. And um, I relate. I love people yeah. who get a new set of watercolors and they have to swatch everything before they start painting. And I'm like, mm -hmm. but don't you feel the urge to just do something with it and just see where it takes yeah. you? I'm the same. I just, I don't have that kind of restraint. And, and for me, color theory is not something I've, and I didn't say this earlier, but I have a full-time job that has nothing to do with creati mm -hmm. creativity. And so all of this art stuff, the podcast, everything happens in my spare time and weekends. And so I don't have any training in color theory and I can appreciate and I love seeing people do swatches. Like I just think it's brilliant. It's beautiful. But when I talk about five attempts in watercolor, my first one was a frog. Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember what my second was. I think I did urban sketching as my third. Like I just did the thing, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to try this with watercolor. And I still do that. Uh, every piece that you see me post on Instagram I'm trying something new. It may look like the same thing as the other thing. Like it, I just posted a, a cockroach and I've done bugs before. Mm -hmm. I, I, I did that because I was experimenting with the subtlety of the stone and I did fruit <laughs> behind the cockroach. Um, yeah. So it's, I, I, I'm kind of playing with different colors. I'm playing with different textures and I, I love shiny things. I love, love reflections. Like that's why I like bugs and turtles and, and slimy like salamanders and that because I love playing with reflections and so for me I, I would rather do that as part of a drawing consistent with, with who I am than just do a series of pieces where it's like here's a skin of this and I want to do the whole thing so that's kind of my exploration with watercolor is really just trying the piece trying the piece trying the piece I, I just, I find it endearing how you love reptiles and bugs so much. And you didn't mention this in this interview, but you mentioned it in others. And what drove you back to art was your child asking you to draw a dinosaur. So it's like, the, the, <laughs> there's a line here, like the, the theme continues, continuation, yes. full circle. You said you explored new mediums because of the podcast. Can you expand a little bit more on that? So I... You know, I was really into pencil. When I started the podcast, that's really what I was working with. And then I started doing a little color pencil as well. So for me, a pencil, pencil, you know, graphic colored pencil, does like it was a tool. And then I started into watercolor. And then I was curious about oil painting. And I haven't done oil painting, but I've interviewed Robert Bateman, was a huge idol of mine. Still is. I shouldn't say was, but still is. And I reached out to him. Because I just loved his work. His work was around us as, as a, a famous Canadian painter. His prints were everywhere. So being able to reach out to him and talk about oil painting and reach out to Kimberly Brooks and um, Sarah McKendry, who's coming up and probably will be released by the time this comes out. All these artists have inspired me to think about oil. So this is kind of what happens, right? You talk to them and it's like, you know what, I'm going to have to try oil painting soon because <laughs> now I hear about these it's like what you could the, the paint stays wet for a long time as opposed to acrylics and so back to your question when I first started the podcast it was colored pencil and graphite and then I spoke to a few artists that were doing digital work and then it's like wow okay procreate so then I started getting into procreate and drawing with that because I contagious. interviewed somebody pardon me contagious <laughs> it is I interviewed somebody who worked on um on Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery. So we talked about, you know, his, that's all he uses is an iPad and Procreate. And I spoke to somebody else who worked on Pinocchio on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what he uses is a mix of, of Procreate and, and iPad as well as uh, desktop. And so these people inspired me to kind of try digital and embrace it. And then I started speaking to urban sketchers. And I heard about our local urban sketching group. So I had Captain Tom and Merrick and all these other people come on. And then I started understanding what urban sketching was and the freedom in, in what that entails. 
And so then I started trying that. And then I, I realized that, you know, I, I started refining my watercolors. So I had Anna Bucciarelli on who does a lot of coins for the Canadian Mint. She's a fantastic watercolorist. And then I started exploring watercolor. And then I recently had Hazel Sohn on who um, also was fantastic and kind of upped my game as well as understanding watercolor. And then I realized, wait a sec, I could try acrylic because then I don't have to worry about the layers beneath kind of mixing with the layers above it. So I started playing with acrylic and you'll see over my shoulder, that's my first acrylic piece is that tiger. Not done yet, but probably in the next week. Cassie? I keep saying that. I just never get back to it. Um, and it was people like Cassie Draws and all these other wonderful acrylic artists that I've had on that have inspired me to try that medium. And so this opportunity to interact with artists and be just, I just love being curious. I love asking them the questions. I want to understand what drives them. And in doing that, you get kind of pumped, right? It's like, what? You seem really excited about acrylics. I should try that. You seem really excited about oils. And so um, I, I think that's kind of what's guided my journey is is reaching out to people. I've, I've reached out to a number of different artists. I've reached out to a puppeteer. Um, I'd love to have somebody come on who makes puppets. Like what an interesting exploration that would be. So it's not just limited to what's on a, a canvas or a sketchbook or a, a wall. It's, it's more than that. So uh, we'll see what happens in the future, but. What do you mind if I ask? So you are still a full-time uh, software, right? Engineer. Am I right? So uh, not an engineer, um, but I work in health research and mm -hmm. I manage, uh, I'm, I'm the director of information systems and digital solutions at a health research institute. So I've got a team that does the infrastructure and I've got another team that does software development. And so that's my day job. I've been doing that for 20 And as years. you can see, I've been memorizing all the art stuff and this one not as, I mean, my, <laughs> my husband is a software engineer, but if I say that out loud, he says, it's not really that I'm like. You explain it to me over a hundred times. I just give up, give up. I still love you. Um, and you said that art is, of course, not your main focus, yet it is your passion. Mm -hmm. So you're building a trail from one to the other, looking into doing a full switch sometime soon. Mm -hmm. Is it okay mm -hmm. to talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah, what's so your, I your evil plot. <laughs> my evil plot. <laughs> Be careful, people. Don't tell anyone. Just between you and I, right? Uh, so I'm 56 now, so I'm coming up to retirement at some point, uh, probably a few more years yet. And my plan, my evil plan, is that when I retire, that I can devote 100% of my energy to art. And I say that because it will be more than just creating art. And so it will be probably the podcast. It will be probably courses, uh, both in person and virtual. So I think that's where I want to be. And I really want, I enjoy being busy. Hmm. So this has been powerful for me to be able to plan my re-career mm -hmm. when I retire. So um, it, it's been fantastic because I don't want to just retire and do nothing. And so for me, this is an opportunity to take what I'm doing, what I'm passionate about, and make it full-time. So you said that you found a journal of five-year-old you who wanted to be an artist. And you also said in some interview that I listened that art is part of who you are. So what does that mean? So I've stumbled across art through my life. I went to school um, to be a mechanical engineering technologist. So before the tech stuff, I used to work in mechanical engineering design. And when I went through that course, part of the course was drafting and doing kind of isometric projection and, and that kind of stuff. And I really enjoyed it, like the shading and doing cubes and things like that. And I really didn't think anything of it, except I really enjoyed it. I did try oils once when I was probably around 25 and I, I hated it. Um, I, I just didn't understand the medium. I, I just didn't understand what I was doing. But I've realized that I see the world differently. 
and I've started to embrace it and I've started to leverage it. And I've started to talk about it openly and it's weird things, right? I, I will see something in, even at work, I'll see something in a PowerPoint slide, like a photograph. And I would make comments about the photograph and people would be like, what are you talking about? It's like, but look at, look at the way the lines line up. And, and, you know, I, I was commenting, there was one photo of these people that's, it was around work. So it's medical stuff. Right. And they all have perfect eyebrows. And I'm like, that's weird to me. Why do they have perfect eyebrows? It's, it, <laughs> but w when you line them up, like, because I'm looking at the lines, right. I'm, I'm thinking like most people, the eyes aren't level, the ears aren't level and all this kind of stuff. And I'm seeing this perfect symmetry and I'm thinking that doesn't look right to me. And you could see it was Photoshopped. Right. But this happens all the time. I'm looking out at, you know, even if I'm sitting outside and I'm sitting down and I'm looking at trees, if you just shift your body a little bit, you'll notice things that the lines change, right? And and it, then it starts to look like the trees are embracing the sun or the uh, you're sitting out at night and you shift and the moon falls behind a tree and the way the light kind of, all of this stuff starts to, I start to realize I've been doing it all along, that I've been an artist my whole life and i'm just now realizing that's what's that's what's right with me i was gonna say mm -hmm. what's wrong with me but that's what's right with me is i'm looking at the at the world through an artist's eyes and i didn't know it and so it by putting stuff on paper it's it's kind of helped me to redefine what i've been seeing all along so you know people talk about observation right observation is so important to art and I just didn't know what the input was. I, I, I was doing it all along, but I wasn't applying it. And I've had this opportunity now to apply the observation I've been doing. And now it's a loop. Now I'm aware I'm doing it. So I'm trying to do it better. And so I think I've always been an artist. It's just now I've got the tools to close the loop. Yeah. Love it. So if not for anything else, artists are essential to mankind because we will most likely be the first people to notice an alien invasion because they will probably try to mimic us by having perfect eyebrows or something else. <laughs> yes. So uh, do foster your artists, people. We we will save you one day. Uh, we, will, we will warn you. <laughs> you started with pencil, moved on to colored pencils. I know at some point you hated watercolor. So why was pencil the first option? And it looks like it's still your first love and there's just so much pencil love in what you do. The class you did with mm -hmm. Etcher was graphite and animal themed. And we talk about the theme in a second. But can you guide us through the timeline of mediums and what you love and dislike for a lack of a better word, negative words are not part of this conversation today, um, about each one. <laughs> so I went with pencil because that's what my daughter was using. Mm -hmm. um, so for the first three years of her life, my wife had a better job and I was working as a consultant. So I was the one that stayed home with our, mm -hmm. our now oldest. And... She was uh, drawing and I was using a pencil and I really enjoyed drawing the dinosaur for her. And then the first formal drawing I did was a chickadee, which I gave my wife uh, as a Christmas gift. And I just, and, and every parent knows this, when you're a parent with a young child and you're trying to, and I speak about this in a lot of interviews, the one with Sarah McKendry is a, a fantastic interview where we talk about this in depth. When you're trying to be creative and you're chasing a child around, paint is never, like, it's just crazy. Like, you have to figure out how you're going to do that because that's just not, especially acrylics, right? You know, you start a piece, you chase them around, you come back, it's dry. Um, so for me, pencil was something I could just have available. So in those, and I always talk about these nooks and crannies, when, when the kids are young, the nooks and crannies are really tiny, those times in the day when you can create. But with a pencil, I could just pick up a piece of paper and pick up a pencil, draw for 10 minutes, and then put it away. And so that's why pencil was so attractive to me. And then I was able to understand values with the pencil. And I really enjoyed adding depth to what I do. 
And so it wasn't just simply a sketch. It's, I want you to, I want you to, to almost want to touch the paper and feel the texture. And so that's, I, I just, when I look at a piece, a blank piece of paper, and I've got a, an idea in mind, I see it. And the way I see it is almost like if you go in and you take a piece of paper and you rub it on a tombstone to, to be able mm-hmm. to, to pull that, uh, that texture onto the, you know, to be able to get yeah. kind of a rubbing of a tombstone. That's the way I kind of look at pieces is that I'm adding graphite so you can see what I see. So you can see the depths and you can see the, the heights of the edges and the ridges that I'm trying to portray. And so I really love pencil for that because it's, it's flexible. Um, I think there's huge value in understanding observation and value. And I think everyone should be drawing. I think Tina's recent uh, course is fantastic and trying to leverage that and people to understand how to use pencil. And I, I, I'm never like, that's always going to be my first love. And I think I first started with wooden pencils and then I moved to drafting pencils, which are the big two millimeter pencils. And the problem I had with those is sharpening them because I want to be able to, I wanted to be able to bring a kit with me. I wanted to be able to bring something to work and and draw or whatever at lunch. And then I got into using like the Pentel mechanical pencils Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, these are clean and I can draw with them. I didn't even think I could draw with a 0.3 or 0.5 millimeter pencil. I figured this was for engineers and architects, right? And then I started drawing with them. It's like, wow, I can draw with these and I can carry them around without lead <laughs> getting everywhere. And so that's become the default for me is I always have to have, even my little drawing kit I have here, I've got like half of the things are pencils and I've got, you know, ink and all that, but I've got two or three backups of each tiny kind of pencil that I want to use. And so that becomes default for me. The way I got into colored pencils, I started doing a drawing of one of our dogs and it had blue eyes. And I was thinking, I'm going to try colored pencil. And I did just for the eye. And I was like, wow, I, the eye looks fantastic. And then that led me down a path of colored pencils. It was familiar to me. It wasn't too far away from graphite and I could still work on the depth. Mm-hmm. And then watercolor just came because of the podcast. Like I always knew about watercolor, but the watercolor I saw wasn't necessarily the watercolor I wanted to do. And so I'm not doing kind of those, those subtle um, layers and washes. That's not kind of how I normally do it. And so I'm trying to do it a bit differently. And so that came because of the podcast. I didn't know about acrylics. Until I interviewed, I think Sophie Green was the first maybe artist that I had on who did mm-hmm. acrylics. And it was like, wow. Um, so for me, when I'm interviewing these people, it's like, tell me how to do it. What about this? What about that? And so then I started doing acrylics. And that the tiger, I would say, is inspired by by Sophie and her work. Because if you look, you know, she loves the dark backgrounds. And that's what I wanted to do is I wanted something coming out of the darkness. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I that's how I got into acrylics and acrylics have been fantastic, but they do dry quickly. So I've added kind of a retardant or retarder or whatever they call it um, to decrease the drying time. But now I'm interested in oils, but oils I'm not, I'm not committing to yet because you know, there's the smell and all of that stuff. So I'm a little bit worried about that. Don't miss, don't miss the next podcast episode in a year where we'll find (laughs) out how Mike is handling oil. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you two months. I'll give you two months. We'll take <laughs> it's, bets it's in the that. yeah. We'll take bets in the comment section of the podcast associated. Uh, please continue. I'm so taking bets. And the um, I should mention ink as well because ink has been huge. I did Inktober, mm-hmm. I think three years. So I did it three years. This is Inktober. Jake Parker, who was on the podcast, is the opportunity to draw from a series of 31 prompts over the month of October. Mm-hmm. I did it the first two years digitally on my iPad using Procreate. And I was like, I don't know if I'm breaking rules. And everybody's like, you know, it, it should be ink, but people are doing digital. And it's like, cool. So I did it digitally just because it was, once again, easier for me to bring my iPad to work and do it at lunch mm-hmm. if I chose to do that. The last time I did it, I did it during the um, pandemic. And on the table behind me, I had a two foot by three foot piece of white paper. And I did all 31 images on that piece. So I created a scene, but I used all 31 prompts within that scene. Obviously, a bunch of animals. Um, yeah, it was that was a fun activity. And uh, I still have that piece. It's a bit of a, a, 
like a lot of the animals had human characteristics. So I had like two stoats, which is kind of a weasel uh, rowing a, a boat in a pond. I had Rocket Raccoon from Marvel because I needed one of the th- one of the the prompts was rocket, and it's like how am I going to build a rocket in the forest? So I had Rocket Raccoon there. Um, so a lot of this is is trying to fold everything in, and that was a really fun experience, all with ink. But I still used my iPad. So what I would do is I would take a picture of the section I wanted to place the image and I would uh, kind of sketch it up in Procreate to get a sense of where I wanted to put it. And then I would use that as kind of a reference for moving forward. And it was a fantastic experience working directly with ink in doing all of that kind of stuff. So I love ink. I have, I've got a f- two fountain pens in my kit. I use this, the, the Secura um, uh, Micron pens. And so I, I really do love working in ink. I've made my own mushroom ink, which I've painted with as well. And so um, that's been a fun journey. I mean, I can't ignore ink. Ink is how I urban sketch, um, throwing watercolor on top of it. So that's been fun. Wonderful. And now that we have a good grasp of who you are and how you've been involve- evolving as an artist for this past few years, where did teaching come into play? You know, that's funny. I'm going to have to put this heavily on Etcher and you. Um, I I talk a lot, and I don't listen to my own advice, but I, I talk a lot in the podcast about it. I think we all have the opportunity, and I've been kind of teaching in some ways with the podcast, in talking about my journey, in revealing the wonderful guests that I have on the podcast, And I've often said that you always have the opportunity to teach. There's always somebody who's one step behind you and you have an opportunity to share your knowledge with them. And I can't, I never really embraced the idea that I could teach somebody something. I always thought there were all the teachers were out there already. Oh, interesting. And I think that I found an opportunity through conversations with Etcher and with yourself to talk about how I do it differently or not even differently, talk about the way I do it. And I have to say that that experience in doing the course with Etcher and hearing all the feedback has really inspired me. Like to know that people have tried pencil and they haven't tried it in years, that people learned from what I did. It's been incredible and it's motivated me to move forward and do more of it. That's wonderful. Thank you for saying that. That really fills my heart. And I, I fully agree with you. And sometimes it's it's not only people who are one step behind you because we are such complex beings. I haven't, like you said you spent one week without making art. I've been off and on and off, off, off art since I became a mom, actually. And my son's three years old. For, for our my last month of pregnancy, I was so exhausted. That's when I barely did any art and I've been doing almost nothing since then though I've been trying and I'm about to have my second child so it's like oh here we go again I'm sure I'll figure it out it took me a long time though to figure out okay this is a stage of life I'm low-key doing art I used to make full books before now I'm not it's fine you know seasons come seasons go just you know take what's best for you at the time and move on but that's a whole other conversation that no one asked me about so moving forward um and What I was going at with this is as complex beings, sometimes one person can be really good with watercolors, but like you said, hasn't done pencil in such a long time that they will be able to learn from someone who started art two years ago or even less that has only focused in pencils and vice versa. So really, I think they're, and that's why That's why we started we started with Etcher Studio part of it. And, you know, Etcher Studio was born within the midst of the pandemic and everyone was starving for some sort of connection. We are social beings. We are not meant to be in isolation for a month, let alone three years. Um, and we needed to do something about it. And that was part of what we wanted to do. Everyone has something to teach to everybody. Let's try and make a platform where... Those connections happened, and I've been so fortunate that I've been able to meet 
so many amazing artists such as yourself, Mike, and Cassie, Tina, Marek, John Harris, so many, so many great people um, that, yeah, I, I am glad that you taught a class with us and that you will be keep, you will stay here and you will teach more <laughs> and see how, how this segues into that. Uh, so subtle, Anya. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about teaching for a while. So you started your teaching journey now, so it's it's new. Mm. And I mean, there's always room to explore in every new uh, venture that we just throw ourselves in. How are you enjoying it so far? And how is it, it different from doing the art? I mean, I, I love it. It's It's an opportunity to connect with people at a different level. But I feel like it makes me a better artist. When I was, even when I did the Bullfrog, which is my first uh, class with Etcher, it was the first time, because I always look at my references and I kind of visualize them in my head about how I'm going to approach it, what's important to me. But at the beginning of that course or that class, I talk about how I break down an image. That was the first time that I verbalized how I see. And after I did it, it's like, you're weird. Like I, <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even think about, wow, I, I, I was able to document how I see. And that's, that's odd. I, I don't really, I didn't really think about it except that I was leaving breadcrumbs on the iPad uh, figuratively, which I never really thought about before. So I was kind of like explaining what I was seeing. And I, I never had gone through that before. So that opportunity to verbalize and document the way I see was I, I, at the end of it, I was like, wow. And not that it was fantastic, but it's like, I, I, I never really saw myself that way. It's almost like hearing your voice for the first time, you know, through a recording or seeing a video of yourself or whatever the case where it's like that view into yourself is, is different. And so I think that was, that was one part of it. The other part of it is, when I was doing the piece, once again, I had to verbalize and explain what I was what I was doing and talking through it. And I think that breakdown of our skills is helpful in understanding how we create and helping to inform others and explaining why we do the thing that we do. So I think that in some ways that makes us a better artist in allowing us to break things down and then reconstruct it for someone else. Wonderful. You mostly learned alone. I mean, the, the workshop you did uh, with Mike Sibley kickstarted you. You watched YouTube videos, you talked with professionals, but you mainly learned, I wouldn't say by yourself, that's not entirely accurate, but it's not like you actively pursued some sort of formal training, right? Mm -hmm. So that's accurate. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts about learning by yourself, by watching videos or you know, from an actual teacher who's there with you, giving you feedback on your work as you go and kind of pushing you forward. So what are the main differences, uh, pros and cons? Yeah. Tell, tell me your thoughts about that, please. That's a good question. I think I learned a lot from Mike Sibley and it wasn't just from Mike Sibley. It was the other people taking the course. So watching how they encountered problems and solved them. And Mike did a fantastic course. We were able to work on our own pieces. So if you look back in my feed, you'll see, uh, or even if you see the promotion for the course this fall, the two Monarch Butterflies, I did that at the time of the course and I finished it just after the course. And so I feel that piece was transformative for me because I went from where I was as a graphite artist to that. And I felt like for that, for me, that was a big leap to be able to achieve what I did with that piece. I'm still proud of that piece. That was a gift for my daughter when she turned 16. Um, so I think that, you know, there's a lot we can learn from other people. I'm an introvert. I am not a big fan of big groups of people. I can fake it. And, but I, when I'm around, I had to do an event. I was at, uh, I had two events in the last two weeks. And one of them was like 300 people, 200 people. And I wasn't speaking, but I was part of that event. And I, I took me like two days to recover. Just being on uh, as an extrovert, trying to take on the personas is, is exhausting. So I, I don't always look forward to groups, but I love artists. 
like I love, I loved being in the workshop. I loved being uh, doing the urban sketching that I've done where I've been with small groups of people. And so to your point, I think what I learned in the workshop was a different way to look at my work. It was just one workshop, but when I look at my work now, I'm, I'm always kind of, you know, I do a little bit and then I review it and I'm kind of running through that process in my head. And so I think that in, in some ways, Instagram has provided that. And I, I'm not a huge fan of Instagram, but it is an opportunity to connect with other, with other artists and to get their feedback. And it's largely positive, right? So, and, and that's great. It's reassuring. It validates. But I, I, I look at their work against mine. And I'm not saying you should do this, but it's a way for me to understand what am I doing differently, hmm. better or worse. And that's kind of how I keep moving forward and keep challenging myself. And I'm not trying to say my work's better or their work's better. I'm just looking at how did they render the eye? How did they approach it? And then I'll go to YouTube and look for videos about doing pencil work with cat eyes and look at how people do it. And I, I will admire and love the way they do it, but I don't, won't necessarily do it for me, but it may push me in a direction to say, I should try this. I should, I should take this tool and see if I can fold it into what I do. So I think part of it is being open to try new things completely new, take a different approach. But it's also okay to scale that back and fold it into the way you do it. So I, I think, you know, mimicking someone else is an opportunity to learn. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily necessarily an opportunity to do what they do. Like it, it doesn't mean that you're going to create the way they do, but it's an opportunity to try something new and then use that against what you're doing. So just being curious is... I think if I could say, I think my greatest skill is that, is being curious. If you could say that's a skill. I, it, it pulls me through the podcast. It pulls me through my work. I always want to know the thing. And so if I don't know the thing, I'll go learn the thing. I'll, I'll, I'll dig it up on YouTube. I will try something out. But I, I, I'm not done. I'm not done creating. I'm not done doing what I'm doing. And that doesn't mean creating the works. It means experimenting and exploring and being curious and knowing that there's multiple ways to apply graphite. Uh, th there's different ways to, to do negative drawing. There's different ways to lift the graphite off the paper. I have 15 kinds of ways to remove graphite. And it's just because I've been curious about them all. Uh, this eraser, that eraser, this needed, needed eraser, these six different kinds of needable erasers. Uh, so I, I just, I, I think curiosity will bring you a long way. And I keep saying this on the podcast, and I've talked about it with friends as well. I'm trying to reconnect with that five-year-old, that five-year-old that was, that didn't see beyond the, the horizon was right in front of me. And I didn't approach, I'm trying not to approach it as an adult where we look at, okay, I want to achieve this. There's these 10 steps. Oh, that seems so hard. And then I get to this point and bring the scope down and just have fun with the moment now. So I'm just trying to satisfy that five-year-old version of me in having fun and not trying to orchestrate some kind of project around this and just trying the one thing and then try the other thing. And then maybe put that together and have something bigger, but just have fun with it. Be curious and try things. And I think that's, that's what keeps me moving forward. I still will want to do workshops, attend workshops, give workshops, uh, which is a new thought for me. I felt weird just saying that, but um, I, I still am going to do that kind of thing. But the opportunity for us through Etcher Studio through all the uh, YouTube videos that are out there, there's so much opportunity for us to learn and to start building community. And and that's, I think the other bit is, is being able to share with people that you trust, finding a trusted circle of people that you can share your work with and they provide feedback. And it may be that somebody sees something in your drawing that you didn't even know you did. It's like, Oh, I really love the way you did that. Oh, I didn't. Okay. Thank you. So like you, you were intentionally trying to do something and somebody noticed an element that you were less focused on because you were trying to mm -hmm. do that other thing. 
And uh, that's helpful to hear. So I think that if you have the opportunity when you're on Instagram and you see people's work and something, you find something really interesting, tell them. It's really helpful. It's, it's really important to share that. I should do it more, but and I'm trying to, but I don't. Uh, I'm guilty of But I, I'm trying to do that more because it is so important just to like hearing that, oh, that's a fantastic piece is incredible. Like it's so heartwarming. Keeps you going, right? Exactly. But if you see that one thing to say, I love the way you did that bit, uh, that is helpful for an artist. Yeah. It helps you open your eyes, Uh, especially when you feel motivated to make art because of something you've seen. As you, as you, as you've heard, it take, it's a huge deal for my, it was also a huge deal for me when people, when people say that about my work, because it kind of keeps you going as well. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, so. I made a difference for in someone else's life. Maybe that person got back to art because of this one drawing that this one doodle that I did on a morning before getting out of the house. Uh, and it's huge to to spread kindness like that. I think it really makes an impact on people's people's lives. Um, okay, uh, back to 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 being focused. You kind of answered this throughout everything you've been saying, but. What kind of teacher do you want to be? Or to put it in another way, if easier, what do you expect to bring in with your teaching? That's a good question. You know, I I think I want to provide my perspective as an alternate voice for people, as um, a comforting voice being able to push people in different directions and challenge them a little bit. I also want to be the voice in the, in their head. I, I want to be the voice that they're going to hear when they've finished the lesson and the workshop or the podcast. So when they're sitting by themselves and sketching by a lake or in a crowded coffee house, that some of the words that I said resonate with them. And so I want to be the teacher beyond the class, beyond the course. Wonderful. So, mm-hmm. And talking about the course, again, very smooth uh, segue into tell us about the course we're doing together. Because we're talking about the course and the course and the monarch butterflies. But what are we doing, really? So that's going to be fun. I haven't confirmed all the content for it yet, but it's going to be six to seven weeks, uh, six to seven classes. And I really want this to be fun. Um, not that the bullfrog uh, wasn't fun, but it's going to be an opportunity to explore animals, explore graphite in an exciting way. And each week is going to, you know, as I do with the home, uh, with the podcast, every podcast has homework. I always ask the guest, give me a little bit of homework. There's going to be homework with every class, but I want to ensure that the homework allows us to feel that we've completed something. And I want to, I want everyone to get to the end of the course with some accomplishments in front of them and they can compile them into a single piece or they could live independently, but it's an opportunity for us to work together on different textures. I hear a lot of people want to explore fur. We're going to explore eyes. Uh, we're going to explore different textures. I'm all about textures and depth. So you, for sure, we're going to be going in that direction, but we're not going to be working on a single piece. So it'll be uh, an opportunity for us to try different things. And I'm hopeful that through the six or seven courses or classes that you're going to learn something from each. And it may be just the way to hold a pencil or the way to use an eraser. Um, it could be the way to render an eye, a cat eye versus um, a sheep or a bird. But I'm really excited about this. I'm still pulling it all together and and I've got all these ideas and I'm thinking this is more than a six or seven week course. (laughs) So it's going to be interesting to pull it down into a a theme. But the theme is really once again going to be around adding depth and challenging yourself. And how how do you draw a polar bear, which is mostly white? You know, Mm -hmm. this kind of opportunity for us to to push ourselves and experience it and do it together. And making sure that, you know, that if you've got questions or feedback, that there's an opportunity to build on that and, um, and to work through it. But I'm, uh, I'm so excited about doing this course 
and uh, and and seeing what people will will do with it. Like it's, uh, I've seen some artists who who did the bullfrog course and then took on something else, and it's like, oh my! Like that's, it just blows me away. It it, it really it warms my heart to, to know that this is having an impact on people and what they're doing. And I know that's not that's not the end point. It's just I'm so glad to see them take the next step. And I know wherever they're going to go, it's going to be wonderful. And there's going to be challenges along the way. But the fact that I was able to help them lift their leg and take that step was, it just means the world to me. Let's wrap up the interview with one last question. Why does art matter so much to you, Mike? Another good question. I think that we have an opportunity to make a difference in, in the work that we do in our jobs in our family and our friends. I think that we have an opportunity to, 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 to share our love and share our, our, our jokes and our, you know, our, our stories and instruct and our kids and how to do things, how to eat, <laughs> how to, how to just navigate the world. And I feel like creativity address. I feel like creativity is something available to all of us. And I think that's what I've discovered through the podcast. I've had an astronaut on the podcast. I've had a, um, a physician on the podcast and all of these people seem to lean into creativity. And I think that we may be creative with, even without realizing it. And I think creativity allows us to be, to enjoy what it means to be human, to enjoy the ability to observe and to take our interpretation of what we see and create something. It could be abstract. It could be a mural and whether we share it with ourselves and are proud that I did the thing, right? I was able to take these basic compounds of inks and materials and throw it on top of something else and create something I think helps to, to, understand what it means to be human, to be creative, and then to be able to share that with others and share a little bit of ourselves. Being creative is a tremendously emotional experience. It's, it's really opening up yourself to others. And you, I, I, I've been around for 56 years. I haven't had, I haven't had this kind of emotional connection to anything I've ever done. You know, a hundred podcast episodes, it's, it's a big deal, but it's a bigger deal for me because it's tied into who I am creatively and somebody who's worked in technology forever to be able to sit down at lunch at work in a hospital, sitting beside a patient and to be able to draw or paint is so special for me because it, it, it really allows me to share my thoughts. And I think about my daughters, you know, when I'm gone, they're going to have the podcast to listen to. When I'm gone, they're going to have my art to look at. And it may inspire them. It may inspire their kids or their partners. And so I think that there's so much we can get out of creativity that you don't have to call yourself an artist if you don't want to. But I think as soon as you put something down on paper, you can call yourself an artist and it's okay. The point is to try and tell your story uh, you know, I have a theme every year. This year it's Elevate. And Etcher's been a big part of that because I was able to elevate my game in doing one course and elevate it in doing, or sorry, one class. And now I'm elevated in doing another course. I'm presenting at a conference in the fall. I'm I'm doing a talk for a group uh, coming up in, uh, in the middle of the summer. So th my theme this year is Elevate. There was a, t there was a year when my theme was Emergence. And that was when I accepted that I'm an artist and I'm going to emerge as an artist. And so I think there's an opportunity for people to, to move out of their comfort zone, out of their shell, embrace what it means to be a creative and see where that takes you. Because the best journey in your life, you may not have traveled yet. It's, it's, it's in front of you. It's an opportunity and you need to reach out and try it. Uh, and don't think about the end point. Don't think about being in a gallery. Don't think about it, you know, being on a podcast or being on the cover of a magazine because the end point isn't important. It's, it's about expressing yourself. It's about playing with materials. 
and I found through the podcast that, you know, the impact in me being in a gallery is insignificant. The impact I've had on others in in helping them on meet these artists and make these connections, connections with artists, but connections with themselves, is is something that I have to embrace as being as significant as selling a piece for ten thousand dollars or being in a gallery. It's all about creativity, and I like to think that. I have an opportunity to allow people to find it for themselves. And so I think that's creativity is important. Being an artist is important. We all have it in us. We just have to dig down and find it. And that's where we have an opportunity to express ourselves as human beings and, and be a human being, right? Rather than just day to day doing the stuff. Surviving instead of yep. living. What is your medium of choice? And how likely are you to keep trying new things? Join the conversation in the comment section of the post associated with this episode at etherlove.com forward slash Hendley. That's E-T-C-H-R-L-A-B dot com forward slash H-E-N-D-L-E-Y. Mike and I would absolutely love to hear from you. Also, just a quick Shout out to Mike's early bird registration for his How to Draw Animals course. Head over to etralab.com forward slash handly dash course and find out more about his new offering. Enjoy the discount while we still have it. And yeah, it comes to our website early October. Okay, that's it for me today, I promise. And until the next episode, keep on making more art.